Hello, hello, hello. This is Chris and Eric's Longbox Adventure. I am the Eric part of that. And I'm the Chris part. Welcome to episode three. This week, we are celebrating the spirit of Robert Pattinson by doing our first Batman coverage on the show. This is also going to be by far the newest comic that we've talked about. We are discussing Batman Reptilian. Um, This wrapped up less than a year ago i think even less than six months ago this is very new it is a six issue miniseries published under dc's black label so you know where we can get violent and dark but could only show bruce's penis once and then no more of that uh this is going to be writer garf ennis liam sharp on the art and rob steen steen stein Steen, I'm guessing, on Letterer. Um, I had read this multiple times previously. My first time, I appreciated the art, but overall was kind of meh on most of it, except for the impreg Killer Croc stuff that we'll get to. But the more that I reread it, the more I found stuff that I really liked. Um, how was your first impression? Um... I definitely don't think it's bad. I don't know if it's the kind of Batman I tend to enjoy reading. Actually, it definitely isn't. Um, but, like, it's a good example of your grim, dark Batman stuff, I think. And, and Well, the first half is, I and mean, then the back half is just the weirdest thing. It's, it's just odd. So, yeah. Yeah, I guess with that, we can sort of start off just discussing... Uh, this take on Batman himself. For listeners who have not read it, this is Jackass Batman. This is, I will torture and brutalize and just beat the shit out of all of my opponents, anyone getting in my way. I will have little bickering arguments with Alfred about helping the disadvantage as children so that I don't have to beat them up when they're adults. It's Jackass Batman. He's the goddamn Batman. Yeah, there's one scene where this, like, henchman character who's, like, bounces around between, like, Scarecrow and the Joker, just, like, a human, no superpowers, just, like, hired goon is being confronted by Batman. And the goon is just like, I know you don't kill. And Batman's response is essentially that he's worse than all of the supervillains who he calls the multicolored rabble because he won't let him die, which just involves Batman terrorizing him, hanging the man over ledges, appearing in the shadows, spooking him, making sure... That when the man is under the covers in bed at night to show up just long enough to say a line and spook the man again so that the grown man is just sweating profusely underneath of his blankets. Yeah. And this guy worked for Scarecrow. Like, he's had a lot of, like, secondhand fear gas inhalation. You'd think he'd be used to this, but Batman's just a lot. Batman is a lot here. He 
he's not conservative in the sense of like aligning with like a conservative party but because he seems like very much like non-trusting the government but he's like that sort of social conservative of just hating anything that he deems inefficient his practices have no respect for basic human rights essentially you know there's a part where he shows up to ask the penguin for information and we'll get more into like the plot specifics in a minute but the penguin has been beat the fuck up. He's barely conscious. Clyde Penguin is holding on to his guts the whole time. Yeah. The literally disemboweled penguin. And Batman is just like, I'm going to take a blood sample. If you disagree, or if you don't consent, say the alphabet backwards to this man who is about to pass out from pain from having his entrails cut out. Yeah, yeah, um... There's a lot of Batman. There's no, um, there's no Robin or anything. But if you told me this was the guy Frank Miller wrote in uh, All Star Batman and Robin, I would believe you. Actually, I'm gonna assume that's the continuity this takes place in. This is this is set between Batman, All Star Batman and Robin, and The Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, it is like we said, not either of our personal like vision of the character, but. I think it's, like, well enough written and consistently enough done that I can, like, appreciate what the creative team is doing, even if it's not, like, a take on the character that I would ever do myself, you know? And I'm kind of tired of a lot of grim dark shit in comics because I'm just, like, we've been hit over the head for the last 30 years with comic books can be for adults. And it's like, yeah, I know. You know, so... I think that's part of why I didn't immediately get super into this the first time I read it. But I think it helps that Batman's also funny here in all of this fucking cruel, horrible things that he does. Like, he's this morally repugnant man. And there's also just still this snappy dialogue throughout that Garfinis writes that just keeps the humor up constantly. Because, like, even though it is about this morally reprehensible man and then just the supervillains who are also whatever varying degrees of reprehensible, it's all punctuated of comedy. Like this scene where Batman arrives to talk to the penguin, but there's actual penguins there. And so we get these first few panels with just the word balloons, penguin, question mark, penguin. And then we see a penguin just squawking and Batman just going, not you. Which, that that's that's good comic book. I never worry about Kill him off. No? Clues in the name. He is just so self-assured and doesn't give a shit about what anyone is saying at any time. Part of the plot involves a meeting that like all of Gotham's supervillains have which they apparently do once a month to think of ways to kill him. And the goon that Batman is talking to mentions it and is just like, oh, you don't tape them? And Batman is like, I used to. And then I realized they were too fucking incompetent for it to be worth doing because it's just not a threat that he needs to worry about. Every time the Gotham rogues try to work together, it always winds up just being a confused mess anyway. Yeah. And like... 
With this specific confused mess, I guess I'll go ahead and just give a quick brief uh, plot summary. Essentially, the conceit of Batman Reptilian is that there's one of these monthly get-together-and-talk-about-killing-Batman power parties. But something goes wrong. Everyone, from the moment they get there, is really hostile, raring to fight, beating the shit out of each other. And then in the days following the meeting, the attendees are turning up mutilated, fucked up, guts taken out of their bodies, like we said. Just horrifically maimed supervillains and we just get lots of shots in the early issues of just like penguin on the floor just barely conscious we get mr freeze with his like bubble helmet cracked something's just going through and beating the shit out of everybody so batman's essentially working to figure out what's going on what has caused all this strife and who is putting the hit out on all of the other supervillains as it turns out, most of the candidates get their asses beat before Batman can even catch up to any of it, and the last ones standing are Joker and Killer Croc, and Batman doesn't think that this fits Killer Croc's MO, but reptilian DNA is showing up in the bloodstreams of the attack victims, or a chemical that's like most similar to reptile estrogen, which would point to Killer Croc of just being a weird crocodile shit. Although, like I said, Batman doesn't think it fits his M.O. And the reason for that is that the attacker is not Killer Croc. It is Killer Croc's weird Cthulhu baby. Because Killer Croc has given birth to a gigantic monster in the sewers of Gotham. And then in the second half of the series from here, there's just a bunch of weird shit of Batman being like, Croc, what are you really? And there's like theorizing about experimental drug bombs where he grew up and about alien DNA potentially being what made him what he is. And then when he gave birth, the creature is like part alien but part human from Waylon. And what sort of effects might the DNA mixing be having on the sanity and behavior of the creature? Essentially, they think that Killer Croc emitted some sort of pheromone when he was pregnant and he was at this meeting and as the person in question he was immune but the pheromone would essentially serve to make everyone else around angry so that they'd be too busy attacking each other to go after the pregnant croc and his baby is essentially the gist of batman's theorizing a lot of which is also batman going I don't know. This is weird, never-before-seen shit, so who could say? Because we're doing, like, zoology on unknown creatures and literal, like, split-species hybrids. Ends with Batman saving the day by jumping inside the creature's mouth and setting off some explosives. At the end of the day, the government just takes the gigantic body around or away to study. And all throughout the middle of this, the goon that we mentioned earlier... Batman talking to, Batman's been, like, taking advantage of to, like, gather and tell and sort of follow around and just, like, make the job easier. And, like, I guess maybe we'll talk about the goon a bit, but ultimately it's about brutalist Batman figuring out what's going on and then finding a post-birth killer croc in the sewers and then hunting for the gigantic baby. Yeah, it's there's, like, a very direct split 
of like the pre-finding killer croc stuff and the stuff after that which that's like that's the end of issue three yeah the end of issue three he finds killer croc and then the last three issues of the six issue series are just about like dealing with the creature itself um the front half to me reading it it felt like the the violence being perpetrated on batman's villains was in some way reflective of this like really dark and violent take on batman um like to the point where joker literally just thinks it's batman doing it joker just decides oh batman's finally gone round the bend yippee but also oh god stop doing this and then the back half just sort of pivots to it's almost if it wasn't being drawn in this awesome uh liam liam sharp actually painted it all and it, it looks a lot like the dave mckean art in arkham asylum the uh the grant morrison series if anyone's read that or no graphic novels it looks a lot like the dave mckean art in the uh old grant morrison graphic novel um if it weren't for the art the back half could almost be a 50 silver age batman plot with like weird alien stuff happening like this could fit right next to the batman of zur and arc or like robin dies at dawn or the other ones that i don't remember because grant morrison didn't reference them because it just gets that strange yeah this is like the creatures and like killer croc a hybrid of a lot of things and i like the result ultimately although you know uh mileage may vary on if they're in, like mixed together well enough or if it's not if the contrasts aren't sort of smoothed out or integrated effectively i think what you said about like all the hyper violence just feeling in tune with like this take on batman in the first half i think that's mm -hmm. true um i think it's really telling in the Joker scene, how you mentioned that Joker thinks that it is Batman doing the attacks. And essentially Joker at one point like has some hostages. Batman has to go uh, stop the Joker, save the hostages, yada, yada, yada. And Joker is fleeing through the sewers or close enough like to the water pipes supplying for the public park or whatever. And Joker is how are they communicating like some sort of phone call or something um it was a yeah uh batman grabbed the goon's phone and called joker back on it okay so like after everyone gets all separated in the scuffle joker is talking to batman over the phone he's being the i i was gonna say vaguely but not even vaguely but just explicitly, like, gay and submissive for Batman over the phone. Of just keeping going, sneak up and hurt me, hurt me, hurt me. Of just the way that Joker has been written ever since Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo, where every line of dialogue is him just asking Batman to top him, basically. As he's just running through the darkness. And eventually we just get to the point of Joker remarking about how he can hear all of the noises going on how he can hear batman and batman just says it's not me it's in there with you and then we just get this shot of joker just like face getting pulled scream still not yet showing us what the beast actually attacking looks like 
because we're going to get that reveal afterward in issue four when we see the beast for the first time. But just the shot of Joker screaming, like looks like lips getting pulled, just very violent, sharp lettering for the gigantic ah of the scream that's like stark red, like blood across the dark blacks and greens of the rest of the page. And then within a few pages, we see him being taken out on a stroller, just wrapped in bandages, utterly unrecognizable as anyone in particular, just impression that he has been mangled in a way that would kill anyone that was not the Joker. Batman asks if he likes his sense of humor. Very, very dark Batman. But very funny Batman. It's it's like unfortunate funny. It's like <laughs> when a fucking conservative commenter occasionally says something that's actually funny. It's like not because like not to do with any of their beliefs or anything, because it's still morally abhorrent. But it's just like why did you have to be funny? <laughs> just it's just fucking ridiculous. I'm going to take a blood sample. If you don't consent, say the alphabet backwards. As you bleed out. I have to mention my favorite bit. My favorite bit of this whole comic is when he finds Mr. Freeze with his big, like, his suit's cracked on the top, his containment suit. And, you know, Mr. Freeze, if he gets too warm, he dies because Mr. Freeze makes no sense biologically. And so Mr. Freeze is, like, screaming about the horrible creature. And Batman is fumbling through his utility belt and goes, Where's my bat tape? And the next panel we see... That he has put duct tape over all the cracks in the containment suit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's 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 the best part. That's my favorite. That and the penguin bit. Those are both magnificent. Yeah, the bat tape is excellent. A, specifically actually saying bat tape, a la Adam West, in this, like, grim dark shit, which just the contrast makes it even funnier. B, the lack of effort. Like, Mr. Freeze is slowly dying here, and he just pops a piece of tape on it. Is that enough? Who the fuck knows? It's just some tape, presumably. But then just the sight of the fucked up helmet, barely held together with some bat tape. And mind you, Mr. Freeze is hanging upside down this whole time, and Batman just leaves him hanging upside down, but just bat tapes him up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I... I mean, duct tape's pretty good. It'll keep the, the, the cold air in, at least. That's better than nothing, right? That's the nicest thing Batman does this entire series. That just, this Batman's M.O. It's better than nothing, right? <laughs> we touched on it a little bit already, but just on the topic of comedy, Alfred is the only Bat family member here other than Bruce. And I just appreciate his, like, snide just like moral disdain for Batman and this banter that the two have back and forth where there's just a lot of arguments and then it'll end with Batman saying like occasionally Alfred will like say something that's a good suggestion and Batman will just be like see how much easier it is when you're being helpful and we'll get shots back to the cave throughout while Batman's out of just like Alfred swiffering the shit through the cave and watching on the cameras of say the Batmobile as the goon that we've talked about has been strapped into the Batmobile and is being driven around Gotham against his wheel. And Alfred's just like, Hmm, 
what's going on there? As he's just, like, cleaning the cave. Alfred's always great. Yeah, the, um... The stuff towards the end when, when um, Alfred's watching the sort of final fight against the creature and he's vaguely concerned, it's pretty funny. Yeah, it's like he never screams or cries. It's like there's not really a sense that he actually thinks Bruce is going to die so much as he's just kind of watching confusedly. And he has, I suppose he has a moment of like looking sad before it's fully confirmed after Bruce does the earlier mentioned blowing up of the monster from inside. Also during this point, we should mention that when Batman has the goon being driven around in the Batmobile, eventually he like uses the self-destruct on it as part of the bombing endeavor against the monster and we just get this shot of the goon fucking, like, emergency ejected out of it, flying through the sky in his little booster seat or whatever the fuck, with his face just splayed out in the wind, like, mouth fully open, the shot of his teeth and all of his gums, every inch of his gum is in this panel, as he is effectively like looking like he's on the fastest roller coaster he's ever been on fucking screaming but like it's not horrifying it just looks fucking ridiculous yeah the art will vary wildly from some of the grossest stuff you've ever seen some of the grossest funny stuff you've ever seen and like some of the grossest creepy stuff you've ever seen um i'm sure you could speak for about an hour about the design of the uh the the killer crocs baby the giant monster thing how many arms did it have i kept losing track did it have more than two i think no it has wings yeah it has wings um we never see it fly i think we do briefly don't we briefly oh it's got multiple legs that's what it is yeah yeah part of the like confusion and like features too we haven't fully dug into just like the way that Liam Sharp illustrates this. This book is very, very dark. Like there are a lot of parts where it's difficult at a first glance to discern what's happening. It very much feels like I'm just looking at this book that takes place in the night that Batman stalks. And Liam Sharp is, like, evoking that sense of night, of darkness, of Batman's element, where the darkness is really only briefly and partially, like, interrupted by light sources or occasional big close-ups. But otherwise, it's a very misty, very shadowy book, and things are framed so that they can, like, pop out for full effect all our first shots at the monster and us as readers not seeing what's attacking all of the villains either until late in the game. And we don't get a lot of like full-bodied head-on images of the monster. Like there's a couple, but they're largely like big impressive like two-page spreads that are meant to just be shocking full throttle contrast to just the full scare mystery we've seen thus far i see how many legs are you counting on that spread 
at least in the initial reveal page, the creature has six legs, two arms, and two wings. So it's a spider. And also, it looks like at least four eyes. Maybe six eyes. Some of the smaller detailing's harder to tell. Would you say that's three rows of teeth? Maybe four? Yeah, that's... that's a lot of teeth. The teeth vary in number of rows along the jaw. And speaking of the jaw, like, there's these fucking images where it's like, I don't know if dislocated or dislodged is even the right verb for the way that the mouth opens up to unfurl just gigantic tongue things. Um, I do want to shout out a specific page where it's like the biggest shot we get of its face directly. Um, it takes up the majority of the page and we get this lettering of the word mama and just again that same sharp like blood red font and it's fucking ridiculous just it's literally this page of this horrifying eldritch demon in this like blood curdling scream fonts and the word is just mama yeah rob steen had some fun doing um that and there's some like gross sound effects as well that are done in a very good sort of dark dirty green font um i think the lettering's done quite well to not look really weird with this art generally speaking so um yeah a shout out to letter of rob steen yeah the lettering is fantastic throughout this um also does like good replication of like text messages and phone text and an extended sequence wherein batman is texting the goon who had like quit working for Scarecrow because he was scared of how shit was turning down. And essentially Batman coerced him into going and working for the Joker. And he's sort of like keeping up with the whereabouts of everybody by having this goon join up with them. Getting back to the creature. As far as its relationship with Killer Croc goes. There's some speculation that like the pheromone might exist to help the creature find its mother again. As it goes in search of everyone that's been like scent marked by Crocs pheromones. And there's like a lot of questioning of like, what does it want with you? Like, is it just like bonding? There's Batman asking, well, go on, Lynn, suckle it to Croc as that giant beast is standing there looking, I guess, the closest to pleased it ever looks because this is just after the whole mama thing and batman remarks that killer croc is incomplete because of just all of the like hybrid dna stuff so that he can't be the full mother to the creature that the creature's own messed up instincts would be expecting and so they're like feeling out like what does the beast want from you and what can it can you do so they run through can he suckle it like can Killer Croc provide nourishment and milk for this thing. And then we get to the shot of the beast from behind. And then I'll just read this dialogue first from Croc. Why is it, you know, kind of bending over like that? I mean, and then Batman. Interesting. I think it actually wants you to impregnate it. <laughs> I should have done that in my Batman voice. 
want to do a redo in your Batman voice? Yeah, let's do, it, let's do it. Okay. Why is it, you know, kind of bending over like that? I mean... Interesting. I think it actually wants you to impregnate it. As we get these sound effects, too, of just, like, slooch, gorsh, I guess whatever sort of... Whatever physical processes are happening here. And we turn the page to one of the funniest panels in the entire thing where there's two panels there's like while it's doing it and then there's the reverse reverting to the full the normal face afterward and horned up beasts like killer crocs horny child has been so utterly yossified where it has like grown voluptuous human lips and even the look of its eyes changes a little bit where it truly looks like sexy sci-fi alien woman while it's literally performing lordosis waiting for killer croc to fuck it and then it gets impatient and like the face like contorts back to standard self after killer croc decided not to fuck his baby imagine the xenomorph from alien and like the Felucian dancer from Jabba the Hutt's palace had a very disturbing baby. It is the, like, funniest, most ridiculously, quote-unquote, smacks of gender thing in the world. Like, it was fine for it to not really have discernible, like, human ideas of gender and, like, sexual characteristics until it was time to fuck. And then it got those luscious human female lips, like eyes that look like they're looking at you across the bar, just wanting. It's so fucking ridiculous. I think the implication is this is actually just what Killer Croc is seeing. Because in the next panel, it's his eyes, and one of them is like a weird swirl. So I think it's releasing a pheromone to try and entice him. That makes sense, yeah, I think. That probably makes more sense than it being, like, a literal thing. But the panels are still very funny. It's extremely funny. Like, Liam Sharp having fun for a minute. Like, I imagine he probably loved illustrating all of this. But just taking a, a break briefly, visually, from the grim dark for this ridiculous, horny alien face... I don't know if we've mentioned how huge this beast is. This is like the size of a skyscraper. Like Killer Croc's baby has fully grown into truly Cthulhu proportions. Oh, I think it's only about like T-Rex. Only T-Rex. Yeah, it is. It is very large. Ooh, on the topic of art real quick to move away from... The actual interiors. Can we talk about the cover to number five real quick? Yes. Yes, we can. Um, so it is a very vague shot of the creature, as to you know, not spoil it for you reading the comic, holding in its hand the utterly terrified-looking Killer Croc staring back at you with just the most pathetic, desperate look on his face imaginable. Um, and the, the, the covers are, like, variably glossy, and so Killer Croc alone 
is glossy. And the way the creature is holding him is so that his ass is sticking out of the bottom of its hands. And they have they have made the ass glossy. So if you're looking at the book from like an angle, his ass is just shining at you. Sadly. His sadly shining ass. It like looks like separate layers even, like almost as if like there's a as if Killer Croc himself is like printed slightly 3D over the rest of it ass and all just i think that this cover was the reason that i set these books aside to try when they first came in i think this was the one that did it because like i remember seeing solicits and being vaguely curious because just like ooh, reptilian weird animal stuff but then i didn't actually buy it as it was coming out but then i saw this cover and I said, let me see what this is about. I will say, I think this is the definitive Killer Croc story. I um, I don't think there's any story that is more Killer Croc focused than this. I can't think of a Killer Croc story in the comics, actually. I just know Killer Croc from showing up in all the video games. Yeah, it's like, he surely must have them. Like, there must be, like, single issues and stuff, you know, that he was established in and stuff. But certainly nothing that's, like, historically notable, you know? Like, there's no death in the family or whatever, like you would say of the Joker. There's no, oh, this well-regarded Killer Croc story. This is the only one that we're gonna get. And if this is the one, what a one to have. This is Killer Croc's long Halloween. I can't even process that fully enough to come up with a witty response. It's this, and then that one episode of Batman the Animated Series where the villains are talking about their incredibly complex plans to kill Batman, and Killer Croc is like, I threw a rock at him! That's it. That's... yeah. Those are the definitive Killer Croc moments. On the topic of Croc here, besides just being horrified by his baby and by his baby's incestuous needs, there's also funny stuff with... Killer Croc and Batman before the monster returns where Batman finds Croc in the sewers Croc effectively has like a sack still attached to him from the birthing process that Batman has to cut off because it started rotting and is like poisoning him Croc is really rough he is fucked up Batman makes some joke like have you been eating homeless people again and Croc goes, they're the only ones stupid enough to come close. So Croc has just been sitting here, poisoned and fucked up in the post-birth pains, feeding on homeless people, until Batman shows up to do some, what do you even call, like, birthing surgery. He cut the umbilical cord. Yeah, basically, he cut Cthulhu's umbilical cord. <laughs> and they're talking... Um, throughout we're gonna get some talk of Croc's past when, like we mentioned earlier, there's, like, theorizing about what happened and, like, there's a sense that, oh, was it some sort of, like, government testing gone wrong? There was a bunch of just, like, seemingly alien DNA spliced with creatures in this area and, like, most of them died quick and horrible deaths or were stillborn. Because this is all, like, 
not meant to exist type shit, you know, like genetic abominations. And there's also just sort of the issue of like, does Croc fully know what happened to him? Does he even have clear memories of it all? And my favorite of Croc's maybe memories is when he talks about being a kid and how sometimes his skin would just like slide off and he would just leave skins around the house and he couldn't help it and how mad that would make his aunt. And I just thought it was funny. Just, you know, my skin slipped off. I couldn't control that because I'm a lizard. I really love when Batman asks Killer Croc if he's lactating, which reptiles don't do that, right? I don't think so. I'm almost positive they don't. Yeah, reptiles don't lactate. They don't have nipples, Batman. These reptiles might have nipples. These are some very weird reptiles. Reptiles don't do live birth with, like, a exterior sack as well, but, like, so strange. We don't see the birthing scene, too, so it's kind of like, how did the birth exactly work? Like, unless I missed something, I don't think it's stated outright, like, if the baby came out live but small, or if it had, like, an egg that Croc laid that he had to, like, let out. Like, there was some sort of sack involved in the progress, but who knows of just this weird alien lizard baby birthing process. It's like, a lot of stuff, we don't know what it is we're seeing, but texturally it just looks disgusting. It's very fleshy. Like, the sewer tunnels they're in are, like, fleshy, too. Like, the ceiling looks like the stuff from, like, Alien. So, like, I don't know, maybe maybe Killer Croc had to secrete something and spread it everywhere. It's nasty. It's truly gross. It's just fucking gross. Um, I guess stepping away from Croc and his baby real quick, what did you think about the whole ongoing plot and character of this former goon of the Scarecrows, then of the Joker, who Batman is just, like, using literally as bait at times and as, like, the information source? What did you think of Batman's whole torturous relationship with this man who he is just putting through hell? Oh, um, Volkov. I I like when Batman has a more personal relationship with some of, like, the really minor, like, goon figures who show up occasionally. Um, like, there's some, or, or, well, with low-level crime members. But normally it's because he's trying to help them in some way. Um, like, in Grant Morrison's Batman, he, like knows the people doing survival sex work and like offers them jobs at Wayne Industries to give them other options um whereas in this he he just victimizes the guy the whole time so there's a comic where he like has found the guy who killed his parents and Batman does this stuff to that guy this guy didn't kill Batman's parents. This is like an ordinary crook. Um, but I like that he tried to make the guy turn informant. And certainly some of like the interactions are funny. Um, and I don't think the comic is like saying this is a good thing. I think this comic is meant to be funny in how far it goes. Yeah, like I never get the sense that the comic is trying to paint Batman in a positive light. 
like it not only presents a horrible Bruce, but I think it knows that's what it's doing and wants that to be our reaction. Yeah, you're supposed to laugh at this. Um, I definitely like like this isn't my kind of Batman. This isn't my kind of Batman story, but it's very well done and it's very creative. And unlike a lot of Batman stories where they have retroactively been like. Oh yeah, no, it's meant to be a satire. This does feel like it's meant to be funny. There are actual jokes in this. It's not just, like, terrible lines that become memes. Like, the penguin thing is hilarious. That is that is meant to be a joke. Um, the fact that this is solved basically the same way that the finale of Men in Black 1 was solved is meant to be funny. Um, so... Yeah, I think this is a very good, weird, funny Batman story that just isn't for me. Uh, but the, the Volkov guy winds up dead, because of course he does. The last thing the creature does is uh, manage to kill him right in front of Batman, who is admittedly, I don't think, able to stop it at the time, because uh, Volkov was, like, kicking him, because Batman had just blown up the creature half the way, and was like, weak and helpless for a second because he just got exploded on yeah and it's like the creature's not actually dead so it is fucked up but it's also pissed off and it just looks up and volkov is just right in front of it so that's who he's gonna immediately go to attack because that's just the nearest target so he's effectively a human shield for batman here this batman doesn't kill but if anything is going to kill you he is not bothered enough to stop. He doesn't give a shit. He'll just be like, well, I didn't kill you. Yeah. He is very no-nonsense, doesn't care, is annoyed when the dramatic tension gets undercut because they've arrived at the scene where they're going to try to have to, like, blowing up Last Stand... And, like, the creature is going to land and he needs to get all the people out to safety away from the creature. But this crowd there doesn't want to leave because they're bird watching, And specifically, they're going to see these rare puffins that are about to come out with the sun or whatever. As we just get more great random birds after the penguins from earlier. We don't get a whole lot of them. Um... Besides Croc, and then we get a decent amount of Joker. But I suppose just thinking of things we haven't hit on, what did you think of the brief snippets we get with the rest of the Bat Rogues gallery? What did you think of, like, Sharp's visual takes on them? Um, there's that panel in, there's a page in the first issue that illustrates the whole Rogues gallery. Um, so, oh wow, the Phantasm is there. Hell yeah. Excellent. Phantasm is there. It's the best version. Actually, I think Phantasm is back in the main comics now. Uh, isn't she in um, the the Batman and Catwoman thing that Tom King's doing? I wouldn't know. That's fair. That's fair. I'm not reading it because I can't stand Clayman's art. And also fell out of love with Tom King's Batman after like six issues. I lasted longer than that, but... I, the more I read of his stuff, the more I got a sense of just all of Tom King's patterns, and the less I cared for them, the more I saw of them. Although this is a tangent. 
Anyway, um, they're really stylized. In a way that even, like, Batman isn't. Like, Batman normally looks pretty normal. The silhouette will get really stylized. But when you can actually see him, he looks pretty much like Batman usually does. Uh, a long ears look, so a good one. Because Batman always looks good with long ears. And with short ears, I normally don't think so. A short-eared Batman is impotent. It is also important that he has big spiky shoulders on his cape. Like what sort of like gigantic pointed shoulder pads that his cape then billows over. Just really sharp and pointy, painful looking shoulders. Um, but yeah, a lot of the rogues are very cartoonish in this. Um, like Croc's eyes are always just like these big wide terrified globes i mean part of that is the expressions but it's definitely like it's very exaggerated um in terms of the character's physicality joker's smile runs like off of his face in a lot of panels that he's in um i mean that's that's a that's a motif used a couple times the creature's mouth is so wide and then sometimes before we see it we'll see someone in a panel where everything's a bit distorted um I'm assuming because a lot of this comic feels like it's a very subjective vision of what's going on. Um, like, we're not seeing the literal reality of something. We're seeing sort of a distorted version that maybe Batman or Volkov or someone else is seeing. Um, or Croc. Um, but, like, the the characters' mouths or seem, um, teeth will seem to, like, spread out wider than where their face is. It's a very odd motif but it's especially done a lot with joker um do we see Peng? i don't think we see penguin in that sequence do we only very barely and like i think there's a panel or two where we get like mostly like a close-up on like his forehead and then like giant like the point of his nose but we don't really get a good like full body pre-mutilation penguin because by the time he shows up he's already just been i keep wanting to say disemboweled i don't know that that's literally what it is but again just like gut ribbons intestine confetti i don't know if it's with penguin or it might be of a different character but at one point batman's just like all of that stuff is supposed to be inside you i don't know why you're not dead i think that was penguin at the very least penguin's holding something that's supposed to be inside him but that seems to happen to a couple characters so i'm trying to remember um Mr. Freeze was great. Yeah. Yeah. I like Freeze. I like in the splash page you mentioned with like most of the rogues gallery in it. Even though it's very brief, just a still image. It's just these nice shots of all of these characters where, you know, the continued effect of Joker's smile like sliding off of his face is very evocative. Um man bat looks very dramatic in the way that he's posing his wings i think what you said about the sort of like subjectivity of what's happening and how it's rendered is on point in terms of just like delivering characters impressions and characters reactions and fears regarding what's happening to them i think it probably also goes a long way in helping avoid a non-stop sense of just like unbearable grim dark you know because like batman is horrible in this like we said 
It's a very violent book. It's very gory, but most of the gore is described, and it's either not on panel or is rendered on panel in a way that's so obscured or abstract might not be the right word, but like just like enshadowed or otherwise not clear and visceral, that it kind of like helps this not be too disgusting and morally upsetting because it's very much just like impressions and shadowed and I guess it just feels like it takes away from the grit a bit like it just I'm never reading it and thinking that the visuals have like a dark realism to them which I think is fortunate because otherwise I think this could be a lot less fun it's all very stylized um almost everyone is like at least something of a caricature. Um, yeah. This is definitely different than what I'm used to seeing from Sharp. Like, it's still visibly recognizable as Liam Sharp's art, but if you're familiar with it from something like the um, Wonder Woman run that he did uh, with DC Rebirth, or the stuff that he did with Grant Morrison for uh, Green Lantern, which are definitely stylized, this is fully painted. Um, and as I said, it's very, it's much more abstract and it's, it's more obscure and sometimes like hard to see or read just because of the, the, everything looks like it's in a layer of fog. This is the moodiest Gotham I've seen in a while in a comic. Um, certainly the one with the most inclement weather. Yeah, um... I really appreciate it personally. It's like, I think a lot of fairly contemporary Batman and Gotham art, you know, I think about the like big shining architecture of the city and like all of the technological advancement in Gotham and in everything regarding Batman and his tech. Whereas this takes it to that sort of just like, here is a real city at night and weird shit is happening. It's all just, it's spooky, and maybe down to, like, down to earth is not an accurate descriptor for this Cthulhu baby story, but, like, I would believe that this is, like, a Batman story that took place, like, years ago. You know, it's just, Gotham is allowed to be dark and mysterious, and I guess just not fully modern in a way that a lot of comics read and it's a nice change of pace for me personally yeah i haven't seen a batman book look like this in a while um at least none of the ones that i've read uh i mean a lot of us just they've gone for like something really not well actually what was the one that showed batman's dick that was painted up too and that wasn't that far off from this in terms of like some of the the lighting i never read it but i've seen some of the art the only part of it that I've seen was Batman's Little Chub from Twitter. I don't remember what the name of the book was. I just remember all of the just like, it's gonna show Batman's dick. And then it was like the shadow of his flaccid dick. And it was just like, you're gonna show Batman's dick. And you're not gonna respect him enough to show that like he's packing. It's just the saddest little <laughs> bat chub that you could imagine. Well, they edited it out of later editions. I know that much. They filled in the rest of the black in that spot. 
like it's only that first printing. I'm sure that issue is worth some money now. The Batcock issue, yeah. Um, real quick, I also want to shout out one of my favorite exchanges of dialogue in these. Is the very top of issue three. This is Batman looking at a screen of all of the rogues gallery members have already been taken out by the as-yet-to-be-determined beast. And he's talking to Alfred, and this is the exchange. It got Deadshot? Mm-hmm. Hugo Strange? Indeed. Tweedledum and Tweedledee? There's just enough left for Tweedle One. Two-Face? Apparently he now matches. Just... Asshole Batman is funny. He's such a dick. Um, this is, I'm literally just noticing this. But you know what else the creature reminds me of at the end visually? What? It's a bat. Yeah, actually. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't think about that. But it, yeah, some shots of the face especially. Yeah, it's got a bat nose and it's got the wings. It doesn't have the ears. But like, a lot of its silhouette is very bat-like. I may need to rethink my whole thought process of initially this looked like it was a mirror of the violence of this Batman, but then the whole back half just wound up being about, like, weird pregnant Killer Croc stuff. Because, like, this thing's... I think they've purposely... Those aren't crocodilian features or, like, reptilian ones. Those are, like, bat features. This thing looks like a monster bat. It, there's so much visually going on of this creature, like, depending on the shots and, like, throughout. I definitely see what you mean, especially, like, towards the end. Because it's like, there's the dramatic shots of the, like, multiple tongues and the just Lovecraftian beastness. But then we get, like, the shots of it flying and some of the later shots of its face. And, yeah, definitely has more of the bat sort of sense to it and the less explicitly reptilian stuff. See, I thought of that, but I can't think of what it might mean, aside from, yes, the creature is still in some way a representation of, like, the the violence of this Batman and how this is, like, too far and too nasty, which, yeah, I, I, I think that, that that's just seems to have been on purpose anyway. This isn't one of those weird batman stories where they don't realize that they're doing it yeah like everything here just reads very well like intentionally and well executed for whatever weird ass vision they had and it is truly a strange vision that is unlike any other batman comic that i've read and i've enjoyed it even if it is a weird fucking mess um we're coming up on an hour do you have any last thoughts on batman reptilian um i like that the worst insult volkov can think of for batman is pig monster psychopath pig pig is the worst one pig is the worst one for some reason right before he gets eaten at the very end too there is like the bit of the government picking up the monster's body to research. And Batman's just like, I hope you won't do anything horrible with it. And the government agent is just like, we're not some evil corporation. We're the United States government. Because 
yeah, that's reassuring. What a, what a trustworthy group of people to be taking Killer Croc's impreg baby away. What could possibly happen here? That thing's gonna wind up on the Suicide Squad. I would love to see it. Amanda Waller will put a bomb in that baby's brain. I would love to see it. Yeah, this is... This comic sure is something. Beyond any other descriptor, it sure is something. And whether it works for anyone's specific, like, take on Batman or their sense of humor, I think it would be hard to argue that the sequence of panels with the Penguin and Batman going, not you, is not in fact one of the comic highlights of the year. I think that's just inarguable. I would have no idea whether I could recommend this to someone, because this is going to be, it's such a, it's really singular. I don't think anyone could have done this aside from Ennis and Sharp working together. It's, it's definitely something really special. Whether you will enjoy it, not a clue. No idea. Yeah, I think if you're listening to this, you'll probably get a good sense of if it's worth your time. Just on if the description makes you go, that sounds fun, or just, that's stupid. I think whatever impression you get is probably the impression you would get from reading it. If you're interested in a wise-cracking, morally bankrupt Batman, and again, impreg Killer Croc. If that doesn't catch your attention, I don't think the book itself is going to change your mind. With all that said, that's Batman Reptilian. Next week is your pick. Do you want to let people know what to expect, what to read if they want to follow along? From what you've described to me, it may follow this week's theme of being weird as shit. Um, so we're going straight from Batman to my favorite solo superhero, Spider-Man. Um, we will be reading Amazing Spider-Man Volume 2, numbers 46, 47, and 48. Um, that's right in the middle of the J. Michael Straczynski and John Romita Jr. run, um, which, in my opinion, is an entirely separate run from the rest of the J. Michael Straczynski run. Um, it is the arc featuring Shafra, the spider wasp lady, who goes on the news to talk about all the wild sex she had with Spider-Man. I know for a fact that I've read these issues before, and I truly don't understand how I don't remember this because I feel like it's going to be as if I'm reading it for the first time. Because every time you describe that premise to me, I come up with nothing. I don't know how I don't remember this. A tease for you all, here's a quote from the end of issue 46. Yes, we were lovers. He has many strange sexual habits. Would you like me to tell you all about it for your newspaper? Yep, that's... that's something... So tune in next week for our first of, as yet to be determined, how many, surely more than one, episodes in which we talk about Spider-Man's strange sexual behaviors. There are so many. There are many. With that, thank you for listening to us go on and on about 
Killer Croc's baby and asshole Batman. Hope you enjoyed and see you next week. Bye, everyone. Oh, 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 oh.